The absolute, the other thing is, hearing you guys talk, you know, it's very rarely been about me or mine. And I really do appreciate the guys talking about those that have struggled and God's provision in the midst of that and everything else. But then to hear about, you know, it's really great what God's doing in our young people's lives and how he's growing that ministry and how he's bringing leaders in. You know what that means? It's going to take off. God always puts the guys in place for when a ministry is going to grow. So 2017 is going to be an awesome time for our youth group. Amen. I think it is by what you guys are saying. And there's a number of things that people have been talking about. The ministry in the middle of the year with the young people as well. That's absolutely fantastic. Youth camp coming up. My family is very excited about that. My daughter anyway. We're excited because she's going to go away. So that's really good. But uh, that's absolutely fantastic. But I'm really not sure about you guys. I'm going to be very honest with you this evening. I've come along to Thanksgiving services, you know, and, and it's absolutely brilliant to be involved in those things but I have to be honest there's been times that I've sat in a congregation that's been having a thanksgiving service and you know I haven't been particularly thankful I I haven't got it there have been times when I've sat there and they've been going through their thanksgiving much like we have this evening and everyone appears to be having these incredible encounters with God. All these amazing things seem to be happening in, through, and around them. And they're honoring and praising and glorifying God. And some of these people are my friends. And, you know, I don't feel good about it. I, I, I don't want to elevate them. I don't want to encourage them. I'm just like, why isn't this happening to me? Why does God seem so remote? And, you know, I get a little bit resentful. I, I, I get to feeling like, oh, what about me? Why, why does God seem so distant at this time? And the reality is, every one of us in the Western world are abundantly blessed. And I know you won't believe this, but you are filthy rich. Filthy rich. Everyone sitting in this room is in the top 10% most wealthiest people in the world. Don't believe me? Go to World Rich List, punch in how much money you earn a year, it'll pop up. Top 10%. I guarantee most of you are in the top five. We are abundantly blessed in this country and we take so much for granted. So my response in resenting those around me who is giving thanks comes back to how I'm living. It comes back to how I respond to those around me. It comes back to how I respond to the very world that I'm living in. And my view of that world and what I allow that to say to me and how I respond to what it's saying. And the bottom line is, it's my attitude that needs changing. No one else's. And so tonight, hopefully I'll be able to show you a couple of things that, you know, can help change that and help us open our eyes to the incredible things that God does in our life. And uh, hopefully by the time we walk out of here, we'll all be sharing things that God is doing each and every day in our lives. I just want to pause and pray right now. Father God, I thank you so much that you are a truly loving God. I thank you for your presence in this place this evening. I thank you that you pour out your love, your grace, so abundantly upon each and every one of us. And Lord, we're going to open your word now and I just pray that you will reveal to us the truth that is contained in that, that we will hear your voice. I don't want these guys to hear Charlie. I want them to hear you. And Lord, I just ask that in the end, we'll respond to you. We want to make changes that will draw us closer to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. 
Amen. So guys, if you will, let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. I'm going to be one of these guys that just about every time I stand up here, I'm going to say, please bring your Bibles. Okay, I don't care if it's electronic. Um, for you young folk, we've got these ones. These ones, see, they've got these pages and uh, you turn them and things like that. But if you've got an electronic one, that's cool. But please bring them. First and foremost, you've got to check to see that what I'm saying is true. And then you've got to mark it so you can go back to it and study it, dig deep deeper and get to know things a bit better. Of course, tonight especially, considering that this is going to be a very brief message or I'll get thrown off the stage. So Colossians 3, 16 to 17. Let's get into it, guys. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or do, deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So guys, tonight, because it's my first message in this church, I, better, I thought I'd better go traditional. We're going for a three-point message, okay? Who's with me? Is that, is that a good thing? Amen. Let's do it, hey? So the first one, the first point is we need to read and obey Scripture. Read and obey Scripture. Sounds logical, doesn't it? So what Paul is saying here, he says, let the word of Christ dwell rich in you. This is speaking about the whole of Scripture. Now, if we read and believe John 1.1, 1, 1, what's that say? What's... Come on, it was out this morning too. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Speaking about Jesus, as Pastor Darrell mentioned this morning. But if you believe that, then you will know that what you have in your hands, if you've brought your Bible this evening, is the very Word of God. And it's about how God decided and put in place this incredible plan where we would be put back into right relationship with Him. Is that an awesome thing? I think it is. And so God had this plan where I would be put back into right relationship with him. That's called justification, where we're moved from darkness to light, where we go from death to life. And we're talking about an eternal perspective here, an eternal perspective. And it's all about Jesus. Scripture is all about Jesus and what he did on the cross. And the Old Testament points towards it. The New Testament or the Gospels proclaim it. And the rest of the New Testament tells us how to live it while we're waiting to go and join him in glory. It's an encouraging word. It's a strengthening word. And you know what? We're told to dwell in the word. That's not a word that's used too often these days, is it? It's not something that you hear people saying when you walk past them in the shops or things like that. But the thing is, it's a word that is not fleeting. It's explaining that it's not a short stay or visit. It's something that takes a little bit of time. It's about settling. It's about going deeper. It's about putting down your roots. And so when it's talking about dwelling in the word, it's about engaging with it. It's not this superficial reading. It's about being determined to take a passage of scripture and look at it and say, God, I want to hear your voice in the midst of it. I've read it. I haven't heard it right now. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to keep reading it until you speak to me. I want to know what you're saying to me through this passage of scripture. So we dwell in scripture. It's, beyond, it's about moving beyond the superficial and allowing the word of God to immerse us in his grace, in his love, in his peace, in his forgiveness. And you know what? If we're willing to do that, if we will commit to dwelling in God's word, allowing his word to be at home in our hearts, in our minds, your life will be transformed. There's no question about it. 
you will begin to see God's hand in your life in everything that you do. And if you're willing to take it that step further and pray to God to intercede in your life, I've got this group of people I worked with. I said, guys, every day I want you to pray for one divine appointment. You just ask for God, show me a divine appointment, something that you've preordained for me to step into. You should hear the stuff that those guys are doing. They're all young people. They're all below 25. And they are having incredible encounters with people when they're talking about God because they've prayed for divine appointments and then they're lifting their eyes and they're looking for them. But it's because they've been immersed in God's word first and foremost. Who'd like to do that? Who'd like to just see God doing incredible things in their life? Two people, praise God, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's all right, we'll get there. You'll get used to me too, guys, okay? We're told to let his word dwell richly in us. Richly. What's that word richly mean? What do you think about when you think richly? And it literally means in an elaborate, generous or plentiful way. And it can also mean fully. So let God's word dwell fully in you. So our call is to give ourselves in the largest possible manner with the greatest commitment to God and to his word. And it's about me being willing to give myself to the scripture and what it says. When we talk about this commitment... I had a beautiful illustration given to me and it seems that the justification I spoke about before, that making that first step in committing our life to Christ is one of the things that we all do. And it's like we open a door into our lives for God and we open the front door of our house and let him in the lounge room. But the bedroom doors, the bathroom doors, the kitchen door, they all stay closed. It's like, well, you know what, God? This far and this far only. That's not what Scripture says. You know, Scripture tells us that when we invite him into our life, it's a matter of saying, I'm throwing open all the doors. It's pretty ugly in there, Lord. But I want you to come in. I want you to clean it up. I want me and you to walk this life together. So it's all of me, warts and all, for what you did for me. That's what he's calling us to. So guys, that's the message also that's contained in Matthew 16, 24 and 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it have you ever thought about what it means to take up your cross and follow jesus you know it's one of these christian cliches that we often use just like how's things going you with that daily taking up my cross charlie Praise your brother that's great it sounds great doesn't it but what does it mean when you think about someone if they've got to the point where they've got their cross on the back and they're walking to where they're going to be crucified they no longer have any more rights they no longer have any more property they no longer have any other solution to prevent what is going to happen so when we look at Jesus who went to the hill of Calvary to die for our sins and we say we're going to take up our cross and follow him we're saying we're putting aside everything else on this earth it is no longer about what is around me I'm going to keep my eyes firmly fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ I'm going to follow him and I'm going to do what he wants me to do and realistically if you make that commitment you don't sway left or right you're walking the path that he walked. You're choosing to follow him. And everything else falls away because it's unimportant. It's all about Jesus. And it's his call on my life. 
And my part, the role I play, is to submit to him, submit to his authority, and say, Lord, all that I am, for however many days I have left, is yours to be used for your glory and your purposes. Point one, I better move, hey, this was supposed to be quick. Second point, encourage and strengthen each other. Who's been encouraged tonight hearing about, you know, the testimonies of what God's been doing in this church? Amen, that's absolutely awesome, isn't it? And that's what it's all about. You know, you don't have to wait until we have a Thanksgiving Sunday to actually do those types of things. You know, when we go up the back, who talks about V8s, the supercars, things like that, yeah? I've got a few brothers here. Hallelujah. We'll talk later. Um, But the thing is, you know, so often we get up the back there after church and we start talking about these things which really are superficial. Wouldn't it be awesome if we just decided that, you know what, I'm going to tell one person one thing about what God has done in my life this week. Do you think that would change your outlook on the world? Do you think that would change your outlook on what church is all about? Do you think it would encourage you to draw closer to God? I think it would. I think it would. And I want to encourage you to do that. We are told to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And Paul is literally saying, what I'm doing in this letter, I want you guys to do. Read through this whole book. This is an incredible book. Who can do that for homework? Colossians? You got other homework? You haven't given any other homework? Okay, Colossians. We're going to do a test next Sunday. Uh, Just make sure you get into that. But Paul is literally saying, what I'm doing in this letter, I want you guys to do. And our desire should be to build each other up. You know, now let's just think about that for a moment. We are told that anyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ is part of the body. Who likes kidneys? Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, it's pretty gross, isn't it? Who needs their kidneys? Yeah, okay. Who, who likes looking at hearts? Yeah, nah, not a good look, is it? But who needs one? And so, you know, when, when we look at the body, there's some people, I'll be quite honest with you, there's going to be some of you people I'm not really going to get on with. We're not going to be best mates. Does that shock anyone? Oh, I'm sorry, we'll talk later, okay? I'll- I've got you marked. Yeah. But the, that's the reality of the situation, isn't it? We are not going to get on with everyone. But are they still a valued part of the body of Christ? Yeah. Do we treat them like that? You do? Hallelujah. The work's done here. That's awesome. So you don't have any problems with anyone in the church. That is absolutely awesome. Do you pray for them? Do you love them? You know, I, I had a big situation coming in my life once, and uh, I've got the utmost respect for a guy called Edmund Chan, and... Uh, I contacted him and I said, I've got this situation, it's driving me nuts. And his answer was, do you love them? Do you pray for them? And I was like, oh, I hate it when they quote stuff that's like Jesus type stuff. He's right though. And you know, if you want to change the way you feel about someone, start praying for them. And don't just pray the, Lord, I pray they'll get hit by a truck. It's not biblical. You need to pray into their life. You need to ask that the Lord be glorified in their lives, that they will fulfill their purpose in this church. And as you pray for those guys, your love for them will grow. I'm getting way off track here. I'm going to get kicked off the stage, aren't I? But many of us come together tonight with an expectation that we'll hear these incredible stories about all that God has done. And it's great to hear what's happening in our brothers' and sisters' lives. It's great to hear what God is doing with each one in the life of this church, which... I will never call this building a church. The church is you guys. And the communities around us, because people are faithfully serving God. It's incredible to see what he can do. 
But what if the person sitting beside you is a little bit in the context that I started with, where they're just like, God doesn't do anything in my life. What's, what's all this going on? How do you, as a brother and sister, move them from that point to a point of acknowledging and thanking God? What does Holy Spirit call us to do in building up and strengthening our brothers and sisters in Christ? Perhaps you can pray with them. That's a lovely Christian cliche we use too, isn't it? Someone comes up with this deep, heavy problem and you go, I'll pray for your brother and go out the door and you never do it, do you? I'd really encourage you, if someone says, presents a problem to you or asks you for prayer, wherever you are, do it there. Just pray for them straight away. It's not a problem. If you feel a little bit intimidated or you're not sure how to pray, just say, hey, look, do you mind if I get one or two other people and we can just gather around you and pray together? And just do it right here. There's no reason why you can't. Let's be building each other up and strengthening each other in the faith. Perhaps you can encourage them by telling them about the gifts, talents, abilities that you have recognized in their lives. You know, it's amazing how many people think that they're useless in the service of the Lord. And yet other people say, man, they're just so talented. They're so gifted. And it may be your task just to, not to puff them up, but just to let them know, you know, when you said this... That really challenged me and that changed my life. I saw the way that you interacted with this person and that was absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for doing that. It's about building up and strengthening each other. Perhaps it's just a matter of showing them love just by meeting with them at another time outside of church. If you want to encourage and strengthen me, invite me out for good coffee. Not, not this instant stuff, good coffee and I will get on just fine. We can do all these things just to build up and strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ. And on top of all that is the call to do exactly what we've done today. We should come together and celebrate God's goodness. We should be thankful for all that he's done through singing, through reading his word publicly, through proclaiming during and after the service all the incredible things that God has done. And then we leave this place. Who's excited about leaving this place with what's happened on Sunday? We leave here and we take that into our week's Who's excited about doing it? No one's excited. Oh dear. We'll get there too, okay. But the thing is, you know where you have your most impact? You're going to go out in, onto your front lines tomorrow. It is your front lines when you're outside this church. This can be your front line, but you've got other front lines that we really need you as a people of God to be impacting for God's kingdom. So you're going to leave this place and you're going to hit your front lines tomorrow. I know that tomorrow is a public holiday, but you'll still hit those front lines. And what should you do then? That's a big question. So we come to our third point, and you should live it. You should live what we've read in Scripture. You should be living this life that's so extraordinary that people are blown away. And it says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever we do in word or deed, you know, this is, we're not just to talk the talk. We come here on Sunday, we can say the right things. You could even fool me and leave me to believe that you're a Christian. But we are told that we need to walk the walk as well. When we leave this place, we're supposed to be more Christian, if you like, than what you are here. Because it's those people out there that we need to influence. It's those people out there who need a saviour. And we need to be doing more than just speaking a better life with Jesus. We are called out to live our lives for Jesus. And everything we do should be done in the name of Jesus. You know, I turned up at Sunnybank District Baptist Church the first week 
and the pastors were standing on stage here and they're talking about this Alpha series they were doing on prayer. And I was just like, this is so awesome. And then they said they were doing it on the Lord's Prayer. That is my favourite chunk of scripture. It is an awesome passage of scripture. And the thing is, in that we pray, hallowed be your name. Who uses that word in their everyday language now? You know, you go to school and anyway. So hallowed be your name. What's that actually say? You know, when we say hallowed be your name, we are saying, Lord, I'm setting your name apart. Your name is reverent to me. Your name is above all names. Your name is holy. And Lord, when I say hallowed be your name, your name is safe on my lips. I will never let it mean anything except that you are God and you are king. And it goes beyond that, especially in the culture that the Bible was written for. When we think about being adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God, when we think about the fact that we have the same rights and privileges as the Lord Jesus Christ himself, that blows my mind for starters. But we take upon the Lord's name. We are the Christ ones. We are the Christians. And so everything that we do, we should be able to say, in Jesus' name. And I pick on Pastor Darrell. He actually touched on something that my children will tell you is a bit of a problem for me. People who pull in front of you on the roads. People who drive at 80 k's in a 100 k zone. People who are on a two-lane carriageway, 80, 80, side by side, and it's a 100k zone. Get out of my way! In Jesus' name. Doesn't really cut it, does it? But we are called to live a life such that everything we do, we can put in Jesus' name. It's a big call, isn't it? But I believe the scripture that we've read tonight and many other passages leave us no wriggle room. That's exactly what it's saying. And the incredible thing is, when we start living like that, stuff starts happening. You know, all through our churches, there's these little truths that are just slightly off. And I think one of the worst things that is said is that Jesus should be a priority in your life. Who's offended? You know, because when you make Jesus a priority in your life, that means there's other things that are also on that list and they can actually become the priority at a time. Jesus is not the priority of a Christian's life. Jesus is the purpose of your life. He's why you live. And there's nothing else that takes his place. And when you switch that around, when Jesus becomes your purpose and not your priority, what actually happens is everything you do as you mature as a Christian, you look at it through the eyes of Jesus. And, you know, as much as I hated that WWJD campaign, I mean, Jesus is with us. Don't say, what would Jesus do? Just ask him. But that campaign at least made people say, you know what? I need to consider what Jesus would do in this situation. And that's what we should be doing as Christians. We should be looking through the lens of Christ and saying, in this situation, what is Christ's wisdom? What would he have me to do? How should I conduct myself in such a way that even when I'm doing that mundane job of sweeping the floor, I'm doing it for Jesus? 
Even when I'm working for that incredibly bad boss, how can I influence them for Christ? How can I live for Jesus in that workplace? I had one of my young people come to me a few years ago and uh, she, she was one of these people. She was just a beautiful girl to look at and just her whole nature and mannerism was absolutely beautiful. And she had this boss who was just obnoxious, just a terrible, terrible boss. And she'd come to me and she told me about how bad this boss was and how she couldn't cope with it anymore or anything like that. And I was praying with her and I said, hey, guess what? I said, um, you go to Zarafas and get coffee, don't you? And she goes, yeah, yeah, I do. I said, uh, next time you go, I want you to stop into the boss's office before you go out. I want you to ask her what she wants. I want you to buy, go and buy for her, pay for it. I said, don't ask her for any money. Just go do it for her. She's like, I can't do that. She's such a... I said, no, no, seriously. Next time we meet, if you haven't done that, we're going to have trouble. I said, I, I, seriously, I want you to do that. And she came back, grinned from ear to ear. She goes... It was incredible. I can't believe what happened with this woman. It's like, tell me, tell me. She goes, Charlie, it was just brilliant. Charlie! She did it, hey. Her boss started crying. No one had done anything nice for her for years. This girl spent four bucks twenty on a cup of coffee for her boss and changed her relationship like that and showed Christ through a cup of coffee. Because when she was asked why she did it, she was like, well, I just think that sometimes we have to do things that are nice. We have to reach out to people and show them that we love them even when we don't get on. A cup of coffee is not that hard. If we give Jesus space in our life and say, Lord, all of me for all of you, He's going to do mighty things. His hand's going to move in such a way that you can't help but be thankful. You want to know a good exercise? Every night before you sleep, I don't care if you're laying down or whatever, but every night before you sleep, don't let yourself go to sleep. Name five things that Jesus did for you that were incredibly good and thank him for them that day. First few times you do it, it's going to be incredibly hard. If you haven't done this before, you're going to find it difficult to find five things. But ask him to reveal to you five things that he did for you and thank him for those. When you start off, it might be very, very simple things, but soon you will see some incredible things begin to develop and happen in your life that will blow your mind. If you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Saviour, that he died for your sins, and you have confessed him as your Lord and Saviour, he has a purpose and a reason for having you here. Do you believe that? You are part of the body of Christ, and you are here for a reason. He uses everyone with all of their unique gifts, abilities, talents, mannerisms, quirky as some of them are. But in order for him to use those for his glory, you have to be willing. You have to give them to him. You have to submit and surrender to him. And we have to do that daily. You've heard of sanctification? This is what it is. It's the daily setting apart of myself, my will, my desires, so that I can live for Jesus. All of me for all of you, each and every day. That's all it takes. Guys, I'm going to close in prayer. Worship team's going to come up. We're going to sing a closing song. But I don't know about you. Perhaps you're one of those people who gave Jesus priority, but you never realized that 
He should be the main purpose for your life. And, and he's challenged you about that. Perhaps you want to just make a commitment with that this evening. Perhaps you haven't committed to daily reading of scripture and you need to confess that. You just want to apologise to God and say that you're sorry. And perhaps you haven't really been living for Jesus at all. You've just been like I was for a number of years where I was just a Sunday Christian. And again, you want to turn that around. I'm going to pray for you. If that's you, just pray quietly. But guys, you get used to the fact that I want you to come down and I just want you to sit with me and we can pray together. You will never find conviction, condemnation, persecution from the front. I'll rejoice with you and the angels in heaven that you want to move closer to God because it is an incredible thing. And I'm sure the other pastors that are here this evening, Pastor Alvin, Pastor Darrell, the only one that's missing actually. Yeah, I'll talk about the one that's missing. No, I won't. But guys, come. Let us pray with you. Pray with your Christian brothers and sisters as well. We'd love to encourage you in the walk with Christ. Let's just pray. Father God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for your presence here this evening. I thank you, Lord, that you guide and direct our steps. And Lord, I just pray for each and every person here tonight. I pray that if you've spoken to them by power of Holy Spirit, that you'll challenge them, Lord, to take that extra step to be found on their knees before you right now, Lord, where they can commit themselves this first day of 2017. So 2017 will be a year where their relationship with you just goes stronger and stronger and stronger. Lord, we want to see people grown in Christ. We want to see people whose lives are changed so that they can be disciples of yours also father we submit to your will we ask that your name will be glorified in this place and especially lord we ask that, that will happen starting tonight we pray it in jesus name amen